Hey, welcome to H2O again. Uh, I'm Brian Miles, one of the pastors here, and uh, if I haven't got a chance to meet you, I'd love to do that after service. Uh, it is great to be together and just sing and worship together. And if you've been with us this summer, you know that we have spent pretty much the whole summer journeying through the book of Psalms right in the middle of the Bible. And uh, I don't know about you. I hope you feel the same way. It's been refreshing for me to get to hear from different pastors or pastors in training and, and kind of almost like see how they've connected with God through the Psalms. And we're going to get to continue to do that today. There's only two weeks left this week and then next week will be our last uh, week in our summer in the Psalm series, which means the summer is coming to a close when we're ending our summer series. And I know for many of us, uh, myself included, my family included, uh, as you head into like August and you're thinking about getting back into school for those of us who have kids or you're a college student, you're thinking about going back to school. It just feels like this, this season and this time of life, like it's fun, but you're trying to cram as much as you possibly can into the last couple weeks. I don't know if you relate to that at all. Uh, maybe there's a little bit of a, like a heightened anxiety because I know for us around here at our church, like there are more opportunities than ever to serve within our community and within our church. So if you're looking to jump into H2O, now is such a beautiful time is there are so many different things that we're going to do over the next couple weeks uh, with all the activity, you know, and with all the craziness, sometimes you can be tempted to, to tense up a little bit. Maybe the anxiety rises a little bit. And, and I'm really excited today to jump into Psalm 33 because I don't know about you, but, but as, as my world kind of seems to get a little crazier and a little busier, it's always so good to go back to God's word and be grounded and be reminded of what really is important to be grounded and be reminded of what truly matters. You know, we've talked about throughout this summer in the psalm series, all the different types of psalms. There's wisdom psalms that kind of give us a, a roadmap for how to live a life that honors God. There's psalms of lament that, that we cry out to God when we're hurting. Well, today we're going to look at a psalm that is just a psalm of worship. And, and we're going to, my, my invitation to you for the next couple of minutes is that, that you kind of just lay aside anything that you have in your mind and all the craziness of the next month, and we just focus on the Word of God, and we focus on God Himself and how worthy He is of our worship. And, and I don't know about you, but as I've been doing that, even this week as I've been preparing for this sermon, a, a lot of the anxieties and the, the worries, they kind of fade away. And I'm put in my proper place of worship to just remember how great and how good God is. That's the hope. That's the prayer for today. So we're going to jump in because we're going to make it all the way through Psalm 33. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to open them up. You can pull them out on your phones. Uh, you can grab a Bible in the pew in front of you or follow along on the screen. We're going to stop four different times throughout this psalm and, and hopefully pull out what, what I'm hoping that, that God wants to speak to you about uh, so let's jump in. We're going to look at the first three verses here. It says this, Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-string ten lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. I want to stop right there for just a minute and ask this question. What do you sing or shout about? 
What do you sing or shout about? The, the, the verse says, sing joyfully to the, to the Lord. That's the very first thing that we're told in this psalm. Now, it's interesting, actually, that the Hebrew word for sing and shout can be translated the exact same way. So that very first word that says sing, some translations of the Bible will say shout joyfully to the Lord. And some of us are like, well, that's fitting because my singing sounds a lot like shouting. You know, uh, I I'm, don't exactly excel in the singing realm, uh, so it sounds a little bit more like shouting, but I think the question still remains like, what gets you excited? What makes you want to raise up your hands in the air and say, yes, that's what I'm excited about. Uh, What do you sing about? I remember for myself, now this is kind of telling uh, an intimate secret of my life, but, but I'm not a huge musician, although when I first accepted Christ, I learned to play the guitar. The joke is that like every 18-year-old guy learns to play the guitar if they accept Christ because they're looking to find a wife. And if you can play the guitar, then you got a better chance at that. So that's what I did. Unconsciously, I did that. So I played a little bit of guitar, and I met my wife, Sarah, here at H2O. I fell in love with her, you know. I didn't play the guitar to get her to fall in love with me, but on the night that I proposed to her, never done this before, I've never done it since, I wrote her a song. And uh, I know, it's so sweet, isn't it? But it was probably terrible, and thankfully, I have, there's, you know, no, like, videos on your phone or anything like that, so it's not recorded. I didn't save the words. I probably shouldn't even be telling you because it wouldn't have even, no one would know about it, but I share that because I, I proposed to her with this song that I wrote to her, which is really cheesy as I look back on it, but it's sweet as well, right? I did that because... I loved her. I love her now. I was excited to ask her to enter into a relationship with me, right? And so I like literally couldn't stop myself from singing to her and being excited about the future that God has in store for us. When we're excited about something, like there's something that comes out of us. If you go to a football game, you know, and, and many of us will here in the next couple months, it's like the place of ultimate worship, right? Because there's stadiums filled with a lot of men actually, and they're raising their hands and they're going, yeah, they're screaming, they're excited. Why? Because their team won. And this psalm is saying, listen, all those things are fine. There's nothing wrong with being in love and singing a love song. Uh, There's nothing wrong with cheering for your team and screaming for the people that you're excited to win. But man, how much more so should we be joyful and excited for what the Lord has done in our lives? How much should that make us just want to worship him in whatever form you worship him? How much should his works be on your heart and be on your mind. It says to do it skillfully. So not all of us can be up here on stage, right, leading worship, because not all of us could do it skillfully. That's why we have auditions. But what the, but what the Lord is saying, but, but what the Lord is saying here is take the thing that you're great at. Take the giftings that God has given you and use them to worship him. Use them to glorify him. The best talent that a person has should be used as an offering of praise to the Lord because he is so good. I love how it says, sing a new song. Sing a new song. And, and I think the, uh, the psalmist here is trying to remind us and implore us that, listen, don't just rely on the, the relationship that you've had with the Lord in the past. 
You know, don't just rely on that moment where you met him for the first time. I, I met Jesus in 1998. Man, he was so good to me. No, be looking over and over again daily, moment by moment for new, fresh, beautiful things that God is doing in your life and that God is doing in the world. And in those moments, in whatever way God connects with you, sing a new song to him. Say, God, thank you for your grace in this area of my life. God, thank you for your provision in this area of my life. You've done something new, God, and I'm so grateful to you for it. Now, I wanted to address something as well because the, the, the psalmist, he, he, he's talking about this posture of worship and this posture of thankfulness. And I know from talking with many folks, and I know I've experienced this as well, some of us, we come to almost ask the question, well, that's great when I'm in that mode or when I'm feeling that, but what do I do if I'm not feeling that? Like, can I worship God can I sing to God? Can I shout for joy about God? Can I serve God in the ways that he's gifted me at if I'm not kind of like feeling it in that moment? Because oftentimes we think of thankfulness as like a feeling that just happens to us. But here the psalmist is saying, listen, it's not just a feeling. It can be at times. But it's not just a feeling. It is a, a decision. It's a posture that we cultivate in our life. And so if you're struggling to connect with God, like many of us have struggled to connect with God over time, it's not just something that you have to just wait until you get a good feeling and then you can go connect with him. No, he says, develop this, foster this, this culture, this heart level, this decision that I will worship God. And I love how it says in verse one there, it is fitting for the upright to praise him. Psalmist is saying like, this is what you do not just based on your emotions, it's fitting, it's good for those of us who've experienced God, who know him, who love him. It's fitting for us to worship him and to rest in him. We don't have to wait for our emotions to conjure up an experience. We can go out of a heart and a decision to say, I know that God's good. Even if I'm not feeling like worshiping in this moment, I know that God is good. And so I'm going to sing truth. I'm going to speak truth. I'm going to serve him as an act of worship because he deserves it. Because he's declared me upright. Because he's made me new. So what do you Sing, and what do you shout about? What do you cultivate? What type of heart posture do you cultivate in your life? This psalm encourages us that we can cultivate a worship for God and the way that we live and then the words that we project. Let's jump back in. Verse four and five says this. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. Look at verse 5. The Lord loves the righteous and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. The earth is full of his unfailing love. Unfailing love. The second point is this. God's love is all around us. God's love is all around us. You know, it's so tempting and easy, and I can fall into this as much as anybody. So tempting and easy to look at our world and say, ah, oh, the world's so messed up. The world's so broken. The world's so full of sin. The world is beyond hope. Maybe you've said that or thought that before. And there's probably an element of truth to that, right? But what we're told here is that not only is the world full of brokenness and hurt and pain, but the world is actually as well 
full of God's unfailing love. And so for those of us who know God, for those of us who have experienced God, we get to decide what we're going to focus on. We get to decide what we're going to spend our time thinking about and what we're going to spend our time pursuing. And here the psalmist says, listen, as you're worshiping God, spend time reflecting on his unfailing love that's everywhere around you. And when you make an intention to try to notice it more, you might experience and be part of it even more. Have you ever noticed? I've seen this so oftentimes. Have you ever noticed how when something bad happens and bad things happen in life, sadly bad things happen in life often for many of us, have you ever noticed when something bad in life happens, we are oftentimes go to God and say, God, why? God, how could this bad thing happen? God, how could you let this thing happen, this bad thing? And there's nothing wrong with asking that question to a certain extent. Sometimes God wants us to draw close to him in those moments of pain or brokenness. But have you ever thought of this? Have you ever went to God when something good happens? Say, God, why? <laughs> have you ever flipped the script? Like, God, why? Why did you allow this beautiful thing to happen? Like, I don't deserve it. But God, you're so good. And you're so gracious. I don't deserve to have food on the table every time I go to eat. God, I don't deserve to be in this relationship. God, I don't deserve to have this church community. Whatever good thing God might be doing in your life, wouldn't it be interesting to stop and ask like with the same intensity, God, why are you so good? Why are you so gracious? Why have you allowed me to experience your grace and your unfailing love in ways that I just possibly don't deserve? I love how last week, Jaden, our pastor in training, he, he said that, that Christians should be the most real but also the most optimistic people in this world. And I think that's what the psalmist is pointing us to. Yes, there are bad things that happen in our world, and we shouldn't just deny those things or act like they don't exist, but man, there is so much beauty, and there is so much grace, and there is so much hope that comes from knowing and experiencing the unfailing love of God. It's everywhere in our world. Let's jump back in. Verse 6 says this, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars, and he puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the people, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people who he, cho he chose for his inheritance. From heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the heart of all, who considers everything they do. Third point is this. The word of the Lord and the work of the Lord are always connected. This is what the psalmist is saying here. The, the word of the Lord, God's scripture, what God speaks into being, the word of the Lord and the work of the Lord are always 
connected. I love how the psalmist goes back to creation. You know, he just talks about how, how God speaks creation into existence. And what the psalmist is trying to do is he's trying to build this case to say, look at the world all around you. God created that. So can you trust that he has a purpose and a plan for you as well? God's word is amazing, and it allows us to partner with God and experience his work. And so if you're here and you're like, I, I wish I would experience God doing some things some more. I wish I would see God like, come through for me a little bit more. I wish I would see some type of a breakthrough within my life. The work of the Lord, those things, God doing things, a breakthrough in your life, you getting to be part of some really cool spiritual experience, and the word of the Lord are always connected. So if you're looking to be part of the work of the Lord, spend time in the word of the Lord. And see how God's word can transform your heart and allow you to see and trust and experience life in a new, fresh way. I love how this section really points us to the beauty of God's plan within our lives. And, and I think it's one of the greatest gifts for those of us who know and walk with God is to be able to truly say and trust God, I know you have a plan for my life. Because it allows us to walk through situations and circumstances that can be extremely hard, but it allows us to set aside the, all the different things in our life. Maybe it's the anxiety, maybe it's fear that rise up because we can trust and know that God has a plan for our life. And this psalm, it points us to focusing on, on, on just the grandeur of God rather than our individual circumstances or our individual struggles. This week, as I was spending time in this psalm and just kind of reflecting on it some, I was talking with Sarah, and she's like, well, what are you, my wife, Sarah, she's like, well, what are you teaching on um, this Sunday? And I said, Psalm 33, and I'd kind of forgotten. She goes, well, you know that's my favorite psalm, right? And I'm like, oh, I forgot about that. And I said, remind me again why that's your favorite psalm. And she started sharing with me a, a, a number of years back when she was in a really hard season and she was struggling with anxiety and there, was, there, there were issues that were going on within family and, and, and things like that. And she was, she was struggling with anxiety within her heart. And, um, and, and the anxiety was like building up more and more inside of her. And she said God led her to this psalm, Psalm 33. She reminded me that for like over a month, every day, she just read Psalm 33 over and over and over again. And, and she said that it, it's like when she just was able to rest in the fact that the plans of the Lord stand firm. That the situations in her life weren't about her having to make something fall into place perfectly. The Lord already had a plan for it. And when she could just rest in that and be reminded of how big God was, all of a sudden it's like her, her problems, they seemed a lot smaller. She's able to worship God for who he was and just sing to him because of how great he was. Her, her anxiety and her problems seemed much more manageable. And she was sharing, that's why I love that psalm, because it makes God and reminds me, doesn't make God, God is huge, God is sovereign. It reminds me of how sovereign God is. It reminds me that I'm just resting in him and in his plans. And our hope and our prayer for you is that you would be able to experience that as well. Maybe if you're somebody here who's in a season of like just struggling with anxiety, struggling with, with wondering, God, where are you? Read this psalm. Maybe read it every day 
for a little while and see if God uses it to remind you of how great and how powerful he is. Let's close with this, the last section, verse 16 through 22. It says this, No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all of its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. He wait, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shelter. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Final question of the morning. Who or what are you hoping in? Who or what are you hoping in? As you really reflect and look at your life and think about where you spend your time, energy, finances, who or what are you hoping in? This is a, I have to imagine reading this psalm thousands of years ago. Don't have the military technology that we have nowadays. And he says, a, a king, no king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. I mean, picture being in a battle and having a horse and the other guy not having a horse. Like, you're feeling pretty good about your chances, right? And the psalmist is saying, it's a vain hope. I mean, it's strong. It might protect you for a while, but it won't give you lasting peace. Only the Lord can give you lasting peace. You know, we try not to watch the news very much in our house because they usually just kind of peddle fear, right? That's, we, we all know that. But, but not too long ago, we were, Sarah and I, we do like to be educated as well. So we were watching the news. And uh, we especially try not to watch the news around our kids and, you know, our, our youngest kid especially because there's just so much on there, right? And it's hard for them to process it all. But we were watching the news during the Russian invasion of, of Ukraine. And our youngest son, Isaac, he's always like, always listening, you know, always picking up on things even when you don't think he is. So we thought he was doing something else, but he was actually watching the news, okay? And so uh, we're sitting there watching it, and all of a sudden, a little bit later, Isaac goes, um, Mom and Dad, how big's our army? <laughs> I said, it's pretty big. Is it the biggest in the world? Yeah, it's, it's the biggest in the world. Why are you asking, buddy? Oh, I just wanted to make sure that nobody could, like, come over here and hurt us or anything like that, you know? And, and we're like, yeah, we have a pretty big army, you know? I think we're probably pretty safe. Um, but you know what? We can't trust in our army as great as it is, right? We have to trust in God, and he's the one that, that will give us ultimate security in life. And uh, I was just viewing that story through the eyes of a kid, right? And the psalmist is saying the same thing. Like, it's so tempting to put our security in the, the things that, and there's nothing, I'm not making any comment here on, on our military or anything like that. I'm, I'm making a comment about the posture of our hearts and what we actually put our hope and our trust in. 
we, we like to build in security in our lives as many ways as possible. And of course, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. But deep down, we have to know, especially for eternity, the only place where we can truly rest and know that we're safe is in the arms of the Lord. He has to be the one that we put our hope and our joy in. His unfailing love has to be the one that we say, God, we need you for deliverance. Because no army, no security that we put into place can overcome our own sins. Our own sins will separate us from God. But when we hand them over to him, say, God, I need you to be at peace with the one who made me. I need to trust in you. That's when we get to experience true security. That's when we get to rest and our souls can be filled with life, abundant life, that only God can offer us. No earthly security can provide that for us. Only the gospel, the power of Jesus Christ to come to the earth, to live a perfect life, to willingly be crucified, be sent to the cross, and to die. And he did it because he wants to offer us new life. He wants to offer us security in our relationship with God. He wants to offer us the ability to say, God, I want to be made right with you. And so each and every one of us, as we sit here today, if you want real security, real security comes in having hope in the Lord, hope in what Jesus has done for you, asking Jesus to exchange your sin for his righteousness and saying yes to him, repenting of our sin and following him so that we can experience the beauty of the gospel. And as we do, the overflow comes full circle to the beginning of the psalm. When we realize that true spiritual security comes only through Christ, our natural reaction is to worship. Our natural reaction is to say, yes, God, thank you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for making me new. So our hope and our prayer for us today is that we would just rest in him. Rest in knowing that he and him alone can make us right and that we would worship him for who he truly is and for what he's done for us. I want to invite you to pray as the band comes up.